You're listening to Systemic, a podcast about race. I'm Dan Kimbrough, your host, a content creator, educator, diversity and inclusion advocate, and father. Each episode, we will explore a new aspect of race and racism in America. The aim to educate and explain the intertwining of race as a systemic part of American culture. We hope each episode enlightens and drives you to work towards an anti-racist future. This isn't us. Hatred has no place here. That's not the America that I know. Yeah, it is the America that you know. The problem is that it's not the America you're willing to accept. America is founded on racism. All right. Discrimination and oppression are woven into the fabric of this country from the first slave to George Floyd. That's who America is. And until we're really willing to accept that America is a racist country, we can't begin to move forward. And so what I want to do is take us backwards. If we start in 1618 and the original Great Migration, which is really the great theft, right? The New World goes from 450 to 4,000 people. And America is what it's known to become is this new world. And we have all these people here, but the mortality rate is extremely high. There's disease, there's malnutrition, there's resistance from Native Americans because we stole their land. All of these things are happening and the colonies are in need of laborers. And so in 1619, the first kidnapped and enslaved Africans are brought to Jamestown, Virginia. And when they were brought here, they were considered indentured servants as were most slaves throughout the world. And what that meant is that after seven years that they were going to be set free, but also they were supposed to be given adequate shelter and food. And so when we talk about this idea of slavery existed before uh, the new world in America, every place has had slavery. They have, but slavery had rules and those who were in charge had to follow these rules. Most countries actually have in place laws that protect slaves or indentured servants because they're considered human. And so in America, that's how things started in 1619. And so this meant that these slaves were eventually going to go free. It also meant that if an enslaved woman had a child with a man who wasn't a slave, that child was born free. Okay. And so Originally, there were African slaves, but there were also Irish and Scottish and English and German, many of whom agreed to indigent servitude to pay off um, their debt for passage to the new world. And so, yes, there were other slaves who existed. There were other cultures who were enslaved or indentured servants. But in 1630, the status of Africans began changing from indentured servants to chattel slaves. And this meant that slaves were actually property who could be bought, sold, traded, or inherited. And so it becomes now that the English and the German and the Scottish and the Irish, because they're not African, they are eventually set free as per their agreements. But the African slaves are not. And so slavery now becomes this sort of race and caste system. In 1640, the first indentured servant was sentenced to slavery. 
And so now you've gone from having indentured servants who eventually would be allowed to be free to actual slaves. In 1641, Massachusetts is the first colony to legally recognize slavery. And of course, others were soon to follow. In 1650, Negroes weren't allowed to have arms or ammunition. So we've brought you here. We've lied about the terms in which you were brought here and changed it so that you will no longer become free. And we've taken away the means for you to actually defend yourself. In 1656, Virginia codifies chattel slavery. 1662, Virginia adopts a policy called Partis Sequeter Ventrum, which meant now a child's status comes from their mother. And that's big. Think about how most cultures exist. You inherit what your father has, correct? Well, not anymore. So this meant that if English, the English or other men were to rape a slave and that slave had a child, that child is also a slave. So there's no need to worry about claiming them, but there's also no need to worry about this child growing up and inheriting your land. See, we're stopping inheritance already. 1667, Virginia argues that baptism no longer counts for the means of becoming free. So, slowly you can see over time, they start stripping away the rights of slaves, they change the status of what it meant to be a slave, and now they're removing ways in which you can actually gain your freedom. 1662, in Virginia, slaves bought by Christians are no longer considered Christian when they're purchased. Therefore, they can't be citizens and they have no rights. 1705, Virginia states that all servants imported <laughs> and brought to the country, uh, brought into the country who wasn't who weren't from a Christian country to begin with shall be considered a slave. And so a Negro, mulatto and Indian slaves shall also be held as real estate. During the 1700s, the number of slaves on British ships explodes. It goes from about 5,000 a year to 45,000 a year. And they become the number one um, slave trafficker in the world. And so this demand for labor and growing land and acquisitions and all these things start to be what fuel this idea of human trafficking. We can get labor. They will work the land and they're from a harsh climate so they can work here in the United States and well in the new world. And so they start acquiring it and making all this money, but the slaves aren't being paid in 1787. All right. The Constitution includes the three-fifths compromise, which meant that Southern states could not count their slaves as full individuals. The reason for this was that the North didn't want it to happen. The amount of slaves that existed in the South, if they were each given a full person status and were allowed to count when it comes to representation um, for states' rights, when it comes to voting, when it comes to all these things, the South would have more power than the North. So the North decided slaves would only be three-fifths. And so this agreement goes through and allows them to continue importing slaves in the South. And also the North agrees that escaped slaves that were in the North had to be returned to the South. And so we think of the South as sort of being the egregious ones when it comes to slavery, but the North 
while they didn't have as many slaves, were just as guilty. They agreed that slaves didn't count as whole individuals and that they would return these slaves to the South as a way of keeping peace and order in the country. Um, and there was also a lot less agriculture in the North. So slavery really wasn't all that profitable. And the South starts to see it less profitable as well because of the price of tobacco. Well, then enter Eli Whitney in the cotton gin. Well, slavery becomes profitable again. And 18... 18- 57 Dred Scott decision comes down that slaves were subhuman property with no rights of citizenship. And so between 1618 and 1857, all of the rights, all the means to defend themselves and all of the ways of becoming free have been stripped from these Africans. And so they are literally at this point subhuman. And then in 1861, the Confederate States of America are formed and they succeed And the reason for this is that they want to preserve states' rights, a.k.a. slavery. All right. They want political liberty for the whites. They want to be able to control their slaves and all of their profits. And then they want the government, a.k.a. the the North, to stay out of their business. And this is what leads to the Civil War. And then the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation comes out in 1862. And this frees all slaves, including those in states that are still in rebellion. The idea being that if we can get these freed slaves now to stand with the North, we have a chance of defeating the South. Then in 1865, the 13th Amendment outlaws all practice of slavery in the U.S. Unless, in one instance, the person has been convicted of a crime. And that leads to numerous issues that we're still dealing with today when it comes to the incarceration system because of how we treat individuals. But you can see, again, this run of, uh, you know, through the Civil War that America has gone through all of these things to strip individuals of their rights and sort of and not sort of, but literally make them subhuman. So 1865, the 13th Amendment comes out. Slavery is over. Yay! it's been outlawed. Well, December 24th, 1865, the KKK was founded. And so in response to the fact that slaves are now free, it's an illegal practice, and if the South has lost the war, the KKK ends up being founded. So when we talk about this idea that this is who America is, this literally is who America is. For the first 250 years of this country, there was this steady removal of rights and degradation of Africans and what becomes African-Americans. Once that freedom is finally granted, the response is to form the KKK. And I could go on and maybe I will in another episode, but you can see here that this is America. From the moment that the first settlers arrived and started importing, which I love that that's still phrased that way. Africans from Africa, it's been all about how do we control them? How do we make them a commodity and how do we use them as a political commodity? And that's what it is. And so this idea that America is better than this, that America isn't the people we see walking down the streets of Charleston or storming the Capitol, that that's not the America that, you know, it is the America that, you know. And we have to get to a point that we accept that, because if we can't accept that that is truly who America is, we can't change that. And that's who America will continue to be. Thanks for listening. 
Systemic is a production of Park Multimedia. Thank you for taking the time to listen and remember, to solve any problem, you have to first acknowledge that it exists. Thank you.